0: Today, the circus is coming to town. It's stupendous, it's colossal, it's sensational. Experience the horse-drawn pageantry of 50 fully
1: restored, hand-carved circus wagons, exotic animals, crazy clowns, and a seemingly endless supply of lavishly costumed performers. Bringing joy and excitement to children of all ages, one of the most anticipated events of the year, a spectacle like no
2: other, it's the Great Circus Parade.
0: The Great Circus Parade happened between 1963 and 2009, most of those times in Milwaukee. Originally meant to be a fundraiser for the World Circus Museum in Baraboo, Wisconsin, the Great Circus Parade mimics circus stops of yore with restored original gold-leafed wagons, performers, and historically accurate costumes, drawing thousands of curious onlookers. Remembering the Great Circus Parade is a new documentary from Milwaukee PBS that uses archival footage and interviews to explain how the Great Circus Parade got started and what it meant to attendees. The documentary premieres tonight on Milwaukee PBS and ahead of that the film producers Joseph Sankey and Dale Polichak sat down with Lake Effect Sam Woods to discuss the film. Sankey begins by giving a brief history of traveling circuses in the late 1800s that set the stage for the Great Circus Parade.
2: By the time you get to the last quarter of the 19th century, the major circus brands, were the Ringling Brothers, the Barnum and Bailey, the Cole Brothers, uh, Hagenback wallace and other famous names, were well-established. And at this point in time, our nation was knit together by the double steel rails of the railroads And as opposed to traveling through the muddy roads with everything being done horse and wagon, you could now load your entire circus onto a train. And the train became the traveling advertisement that the circus is coming to town and to a town near you. And this worked for decades until the last circus uh, parade In a city, Airtown was in 1939, the circuses continued to travel by train until 1956 when the last trips were made.
1: And around that time in the early 1960s is where we meet our protagonists, Chappie Fox and Ben Barkin. Uh, They would go on to organize the Great Circus Parade. But Dale, what were Fox and Barkin's motivations for putting on this parade in the first place?
3: Okay, so uh, Chappie Fox was at the uh, Circus World Museum in Baraboo. And Chappie was collecting circus wagons, and he was the director of the museum. And he was looking all over around the country for any circus wagon in any kind of shape, and he was restoring them. And he decided he wanted to have uh, recreate the historic circus parade, for, uh, and he wanted to do this in the city of Baraboo. And he was out trying to raise funds to create this parade. And he connected up with Ben Barkin, who felt this was a fabulous idea, but he felt it should be in Milwaukee. And so uh, Ben uh, went to uh, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company uh, and asked them to sponsor it. And we're gonna hear from Ben Barkin, his story about meeting Chappie Fox.
4: Well, this character Chappie Fox, who's truly my inspiration, he came to me in 1962. And he said, Ben, if we could, he was the director of the museum in Mm Baraboo because the Five Ringling Brothers were raised there and so forth. he said, Ben, if we could do a parade, a circus parade that was really advertising for circuses coming to a town. If we could do a parade the way they did it at the turn of the century all the way through 1930, he said, we'd draw thousands and thousands of people to Baraboo and I was intrigued. He showed me some pictures of 1905, 1910, and it really looked good to me. And I said, Chappie, I like the idea, but if it's true that you'll draw thousands and thousands of people at Baraboo, you won't have enough bathroom restrooms to accommodate the crowd. Ever the pragmatist.
3: When we were working on a documentary, uh, Joe's job was to watch all of the parades, and my job was to tell the story and, and put it together. And so he would come running into my office with all these different clips that he found. He said, "You got to listen to this." And um, the clip that we're talking about with the not having enough bathrooms in Berbou, <laughs> which and, is a great you, you know, line. It's so mm-hmm. practical. <laughs> and you know, there's all kinds of little nuggets all the way through the um, the special. That, but that's just you know just. A moment that uh, just made me kind of chuckle when we were kind of putting it together. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, it wasn't just the parade itself, which is wonderful in its own right. It was the banter between the hosts over the years and the circus historians and just the sort of side information that they would tell you. Because oftentimes in the parade, there would be delays because you can't have the horses too close to the tigers and some of the horses don't like the music of the bands and so you had to sort of like fill and that's when you know all of this side information was coming out and some of it was just like i had no idea and that's when i was like okay highlight this run to dale hey we got some (laughs) run to something else yeah and there's something else dad because we kind of knew what we wanted to hit in terms of subject matter But until I started watching 16 parades, we didn't know how much we had for each section. And then the hard job comes, which Dale did the honors of. What do we reduce? What ends up on the cutting room floor?
3: And and we found a lot of different things. We found just the storyline of this history of being on the streets of Milwaukee from 1963 to 2009 with – uh, sometimes the parade didn't have enough money. A couple times it was in a different city. We found the personalities of Ben Barkin and Choppy Fox and their, their passion and their love and uh, Bill Barkin's love for the city. We found all these different elements that make a parade and went behind it and the craftspeople and the wagons and the volunteers. And it was really trying to weave all of that together to this, I think you really described it, a love letter to Milwaukee. I I'd never thought of that. That way, but and it was the the love that Chappy Fox and Ben Barkin and when you watch the documentary that Captain Kangaroo had and that uh, Ernest Borgnine had and a lot of other people and the the how this became a, a national crown jewel for our you know
2: city. Yeah, and, and and you know the fact that we had wonderful hosts like Captain Kangaroo who could just talk unscripted about circuses. And he would, a constant uh, subject he would bring up, is he says, if you were a small child in a small town or a small city in America in the 19th, early 20th century, he says, you may have never seen a tiger or an elephant or a giraffe, except for a picture in a picture book. And suddenly you're sitting on the sidewalk and there it is in front of you and these magnificent wagons and bands and beautiful equestrian units, women in gorgeous costumes riding, riding horses and stuff. And you have to realize this is pre-internet, pre-television, pre-movies, pre-radio. This was a major form of entertainment that was coming to your town for maybe one or two days and the circus owners knew this. If you have a great parade, you've got them hooked. Mm-hmm. And they are going to then come down to the circus grounds and see your show. And even if you were a family that maybe you couldn't afford tickets to send the kids to the circus, they at least got to see the free parade. And that's that's kind of what Ben and Chappie wanted to do, is bring back that just draw, jaw-dropping spectacle. Of the parade moving through your town,
1: I could listen to you both go back and forth about circuses forever. But in the in the interest of moving, um, kind of moving the interview along, I'd like to ask. I know Joe, you mentioned you were quoted in the press release for this um, for this documentary about how the parade was made to feel different every year with new wagons and bands and always keeping it fresh. Can you talk more about how Fox and Barkin kept this thing fresh for over forty years?
2: Because it was never the same for one year to the next. Uh, Chappie would have acquired some new wagons and they were being restored. Or Ben would have used his connections to get a great host like he did with Ernie Borgnine. Um, And there was just a constantly moving forward. New bands, new wagons, redistribute the sections of the parade. And sometimes it was a minor thing, like there, had, there was one, bag, one bandwagon that for years, all of the carved uh, ornamentation on it was painted with just gold metallic paint, like you go to the hardware store and you buy gold metallic paint. And Circus Room Museum for that year replaced all of that gold paint with 24 karat gold leaf, (laughs) solid gold. And it was a beautiful sunny day in Milwaukee when that wagon uh, reappeared. And this was like looking at something that was the work of angels. It just sparkled. You know, in a magnificent way in the sun. And Ben and Chappie knew that by constantly introducing things like that, people would come back each year. People from Europe would come to this. People from Canada. People from all across the nation would come to this. And they were. And, you know, that their parade number three parade in the country behind Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Tournament of Roses Parade in terms of the amount of people watching it on the street, 800,000 or so at its peak, and just the number of units and people and animals that were in the parade. They created what was, became known as Wisconsin's national treasure. And even Tova Borgnine referred to it as this is America's national treasure.
1: Do you all have any personal stories from the parade? Like, Did you ever attend the parade or volunteer for it? Now, you helped design the sets. For... Yes,
2: yes. I, I. It was a work day for me <laughs> that uh, would start at dawn when I would drive the truck full of scenery to our site, and we would put up the set, and generally everything had to be up and done for the lighting and the cameras and everything by 11 in the morning. And then— when we were at one particular location for several years, I had to deal with the with the street lights. In the fact that the stoplights and the crosswalk lights and things like that, the police would not turn them off, but they would put them on flashing, which we decided was going to be very distracting. And I actually made bags out of red, white, and blue Star Spangled Banner bunting material that would slip over, and I would have to negotiate with the people who had been camped out there for two days, like, I'm going to be back in an hour with a really big ladder, and if you can put up with me about 20 minutes, I go, and they totally understood. They got it, because everyone was in such good humor. Mm -hmm. There there was no fighting for space. Everybody had their ringside seat. So once the parade was on, I had my ringside seat, and I could just watch the thing, because I didn't have to go back to work until after the parade was over and put everything away. How did you get involved initially? Was it something that you volunteered for? No, I work for Milwaukee PBS. It was one of the ah. things that we did. It was one of our summer projects. And as the production designer, I would have to come up with the sets and things like that with a circus-related theme, uh, which still exists. If people watch the show, those, those units are still around and they're going to be part of our set that you're going to uh, uh, see Sandy Max standing in front of.
1: Well, over time, the parade certainly had its set of challenges. Um, after sponsorship from Schlitz dried up in 1973, the Great Circus Parade uh, was not held again until 1980, where it was held in Baraboo, um, the hometown of the Circus World Museum, um, followed by two years in Chicago before returning to Milwaukee in, uh, from 1985 to 2003. But what led to the decline and eventual end of the parade um, in 2009?
3: Well, you know, I think part of it was funding was, you know, becoming more difficult. You didn't have the big sponsorship that you had early with with Schlitz. Ben Barkin uh, passed away in 2001, and Chappie Fox passed away in 2003, and I think these are the two really visionaries who absolutely started the parade. There were other people who kind of stepped in uh, as, as Chappie and Ben were getting older, um, but when the parade came back in two thousand nine, they had a they had a, a kind of a rainy day fund that they decided to use one more time and have one more uh, event. And uh, Chappie's nephew uh, and another gentleman named Jack McKeithen were the ones that brought it back in two thousand nine. But they were involved in the two thousand three and the two thousand two parade. <laughs> But you know, it was a major spectacular, and it cost about $1.5 million to bring the parade back for one year in 2009. That's
2: a, a pretty That's big— That's a lot of money. You know, that is a lot of money um, for something that basically lasts two and a half hours. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe in some ways, maybe this is a jaded comment that I'm, I'm making that we suddenly had a lot more things to distract people. The internet— and all of and social media. And I kind of think that, you know, even in those last years of the parade, we were kind of lucky because, you know, people still had primitive cell phones. Lord knows they were the size of bricks when you carried them around. Um, And now I would worry that if we had the parade, people wouldn't be watching it. They'd be watching it on their phones as opposed to looking up and seeing, or they'd be backing up into the 40-horse hitch trying to take a selfie. Uh, I'd do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of what worries me that perhaps in some ways maybe we've outgrown the parade um, and the circus. Maybe it's considered old-fashioned in these days. But yeah, you know, I don't know because, you know, we're getting
3: a lot of phone calls at the station that the word is – out that we're doing this documentary and people are just really excited about it. They're It's a time gone by, a time from the past, but they, they remember it and they want to see it. And it really was a spectacular, I, I think it was funding, you know.
1: My last question, I want to hit on both of those points, both funding and just the, you know, the different world that in 2024 is to the 60s and 70s when this, this parade was really going. Um, the documentary mentions that uh, $1.5 million was uh, raised for the final reprise of the parade in 2009. So I imagine, you know, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, Dale, like having to raise that kind of money every year. Um, was certainly a challenge that, uh, that caught up to them, um, especially since this was, you know, supposed to be a fundraiser for the Circus World Museum that, you know, put this on. But um, this really seemed like a labor of love for Chappy Fox and, and Ben Barkin and the hundreds of volunteers needed to stage the parade every year. And uh, Ernie Borgnine, the parade's official grand clown, certainly thought the circus was a way to get in touch with your childhood wonder. And here he is saying that if world leaders just donned clown outfits that the world would be a better place. Believe me, they are all
4: kids at heart. Everyone wants to play an adult, but they're all kids at heart. And that's why I say if Ronald Reagan, our dear president, and Gorbachev would put on some clown costumes. I think we'd have the most pleasant world in the world to live in.
1: As you both produce this film, you know, sifting through archival footage, reading clown history and and circus backstories, all of that really delving into this parade and what it the cultural moment that it, that it was. I'm wondering if you ever thought of any present-day modes of and kind of like mass communal entertainment. I'm thinking like maybe a music festival parades that still exist or you know, even a Beyonce or Taylor Swift concert, maybe even just like a TikTok trend that we're all taking part in together kind of separately, do any of these fill the void left by the great circus parade or is there something that the parade tapped into that has just been left unfilled since it stopped in 2009?
3: Well, I don't think there's anything like it anymore. You know, it was a spectacular event coming into a town. It was an extravaganza. It was something that you could take the family to. It was something that adults and grandparents could talk about their memories when they were younger. Um, and it was something that you just don't see. So I suppose there's things you don't see today. Maybe they're more uh, on, on on social media uh, or maybe they're big shows, but sometimes those big shows have, have a big ticket cost to them. Uh, but this was... A celebration to a city. It was a vision of of many people, but a vision of two people, and uh, you know, it was a spectacular. That I don't think we'll see again. I don't know. I except don't... tonight. <laughs> except uh, <yeah>. tonight, yes. <laughs> on Milwaukee's PBS. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I think as as spectacular as the parade was, yes, there is nothing. I would say today, comparable to it. But we are fortunate in Milwaukee that we have so many other th- littler things that cumulatively give us a lot of stuff to do during the brief span of warmer weather that we have. Uh, when I mean, we are known as the city of festivals, mm-hmm. and you have the various The various ethnic and nationalist festivals down at the park by the lake. We have the lake. I think it is so wonderful to live next to a big body of water, you know, as opposed to being landlocked. We have many um, small towns and even Madison where they have, you know, a festival season in the summer. There's, There's things to do that families can still do together, but they're more... Each one has its own sort of focus. And so you can sort of pick and choose, like, from a menu about what you want to do. But there's still there's still plenty of things that families can do together, that seniors can do to keep an active lifestyle, um, that people who are on their own, you know, can do on their own if they want to. And I think we're fortunate in Milwaukee to have that as opposed to probably a lot of cities and towns that don't.
1: Well, Joe, Dale, thank you so much for joining me on Lake Effect and taking us back to the time of the Great Circus Parade. Um, Appreciate your time. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Production designer Joseph Sankey and program director Dale Polachek co-produced Remembering the Great Circus Parade. They spoke with leg effect Sam Woods, and you can see the documentary tonight on Milwaukee PBS at 7 p.m.